Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a 2000 pop punk and emo pop retrospective. I am as always Elaine and I am sternly opposed to pop punk being a pride and with me there is one other person today. I'm Sybil, and I'm really anti-pigs and anti-piss at Pride. <laughs> um, so, today we are talking about seminal pop-punk record that shoot the band Newfound Glory into super pop-punk stardom, Sticks and Stone. Sybil, do you remember Newfound Glory from the last time we talked about them? I do, and I did know one of the two singles off of this album. Well, I feel everyone knows the one single off of this album. That's that's That true. was a really big song at the time. Absolute banger, in my opinion. It is upbeat. So, if you want to listen to us talk about the previous record by Newfound Glory called Newfound Glory, that's episode 15. It was a while ago. It was released in the 17th of November 2020, before the pandemic. Wait. November? November definitely wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, time is meaningless. And um, what did you think about this record, Sybil? I thought it was... Well, you have mentioned to me that you felt this was the platonic ideal of pop punk for a while. And I think that that fits perfectly. And I will give it credit on quality. Even if this does establish, pop-punk, raw pop-punk, is not my genre. What about Smackdown pop-punk? And here's where the listenership drops? Uh, Smackdown pop-punk is okay because it's generally going to turn into new metal about three grunts in. <laughs> what about TNA pop-punk? TNA pop-punk, uh, what is the musical equivalent of a dwarf masturbating in a trash can? <laughs> Uh, right, I, I, right. I just remembered. It's uh, Billy Corgan. Oh, uh, I was going to say we just listened to Boxcar Racer two weeks ago. <laughs> Three. Uh, anyhow, let us talk briefly about what happened in between the self-titled Newfound Glory by Newfound Glory and this record. I took about 20 minutes to make Chris to do this research because I listened to a bunch of interviews while I was playing Magic the Gathering and uh, Newfound Glory is like impervious to say anything interesting in interviews. Like, they just don't do that. So I just have the basics of what happened in between because apparently their life is completely uninteresting. Also, we have an obligatory. I forgot about that. Oh, I was going to take over on that if you did not. Don't worry. Yeah, Sibyl, let's go to, to your favorite, let's go to your favorite bit of the podcast, The Obligatory. This is the part where we talk about legal matters. This is the part where we talk about all these people's crimes. <laughs> now we're gonna talk about one bad guy. His name was a Stephen Klein, and he is in jail. You see, since the last time we recorded a Newfound Glory episode, Steve Klein has been convicted on the charges of trying to solicit uh, a minor and possession of child pornography. This sucks massively, but... We will state that, as far as it seems, uh, since this was all digital 
It is unlikely the rest of the band knew about any of this until accusations come up, and they dropped him the day of the charges making public news. Yeah, I would like to specify, because we haven't mentioned this, that just because it, I, this shit is always awful, but, like, the guy is a rock star and was busted, just, like, sex chatting with people on fucking Omegle, which is... I don't know. There is some there is some humor to that. I don't know if it's just me. <laughs> I just still Omegle in 2014 when you're a rock star? Omegle in 2014 while on tour. That's <laughs> Yeah. What what a wild series of bad decisions in one sentence. Mhm. Yeah. Also he <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, again, it's difficult to talk about this shit because it's obviously, like, bad shit, but, like, also he recorded them? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most <laughs> slam-dunk cases possible. Oh. <laughs> it's... It is... I don't want to say funny because it's so incredibly dark, but it's really funny in terms of this is not shooting yourself in the foot. This is carefully calibrating an RPG, looking at your biggest toe to make sure it hits, and then shooting the landmine underneath you just for extra splash damage. It's also like, I don't know, it's also like, it's awful, but it's also like incredibly pathetic on some level. It's like, dude. Yeah, at least occasionally you hear these stories and think, Okay, you were you were aiming high and you landed among uh, a field of hypodermic needles. I, I don't know what the metaphor for missing the stars in this case is, but boy, this was a thing. Yeah. Anyhow, fuck Steve Clayton, but uh, the rest of the band seems alright. No allegation whatsoever on any of them, so, you know. As always, if you decide not to listen to this episode or not to listen to this band because of this quite shit uh yeah you're valid that's fine uh otherwise we will continue talking about new fun glory also i will say you always know you're in for a time whenever adam's not here to regulate us like a tag on our podcast of Adamless episodes that get... We do! Don't you don't you tag what hosts are on each episode? I guess you can only search by which episodes are the hosts in, not which episodes the hosts are out. We should make it anti-host for all of us, then you could search that way. <laughs> oh god, a shadow Adam. Just like a very tall shadow. What would shadow Sybil be? Very wholesome and never like edgy at all. Would never use the letters A, B, D, and L in that order. I don't know what I don't I don't get that reference. Yeah, I know. Adam is screaming at me somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> don't look that up. I will not Well now I have to look that up just to see no. if like I can keep this in. <laughs> We've made the joke before, and Adam immediately screamed at me each time. Uh, and negative Elaine has just like a lot of confidence and uh, and can talk like coherently for more than like a minute. Uh, let us talk about this record. Well, let us talk about the history behind this record. When we last left Newfound Glory, they were riding high on the success of a rising pop-punk tide. Following in Blink-182's footsteps and enjoying enough splashback of their own success for a drive through records contract to be upgraded to a major label MCA contract. And then they have two quiet years where there's a lot of touring, their drummer breaks his arm and is temporarily replaced by the drummer from the Prescription Bandits, Christopher Shizakis, and 
Cyrus Baluki, their standard gentleman, will be back by 2002 as the band starts recording a follow-up for MCA, Sticks and Stones. Sticks and Stones is produced once again by Neil Avron, who produced the previous record of the band, and a record by Everclear. <sighs> the only interesting thing about this record production is that, given that this was the rise of pop punk as a mainstream thing, they just decided, let's go all in with the collaboration and have everyone we can find on this record. So we have Rusty Pistachio and Toby Morse of H2O on backing vocals on the song Understatement. Mark Hoppus of Blink-182 plays the bass on Something I Call Personality. Matt Skiba and Dan Adriano of Alkaline Trio have backing vocals of uh, Forget My Name. Love them. Love Alkaline Trio. And Chris Georgian of the group's management team. Sorry, I shouldn't. Yeah, no, sorry. Um, You mentioned Neil Avron uh, produced some Everclear stuff, so it led to me looking up what some of the things he had produced were, and um, almost to a T, everything he touches is something I hate. <laughs> Just look at, like, multiple Everclear albums, the last SR-71 album, he will be the producer for Yellow Card, He's worked with oh, Weezer. Yellow Card is not that bad. I like their one song. Uh, he was the producer for Him, the goth rock band. Oh, the the Hashtagram. <laughs> and the one that really got me was he was the producer for Mall, music from the motion picture, which is composed of four out of five members being people from Linkin Park. So I went, what is this movie? Oh, Han directed it, and the first sentence was, Mal, an addict, shoots his mother, sets their trailer on fire, and heads to the mall. At the same time, a cop urges philosophical college student to stop loitering on private property. I, I'm sorry, that just, that escalated so fast that I, I had to make a noise. I feel that de-escalated, like, you know, homicide, like drugs, and then like, don't loiter on the mall. You're right, it is an anti-mall rats. <laughs> we found shadow mall rats. Does that make uh does that make Joseph Hahn the uh shadow Kevin Smith? I I I don't know, is this a Twin Peaks episode? I think we are actually podcasting from the Black Lodge this week. <laughs> oh god, I need to figure out how to reverse our speech here. Released singles for this record are My Friends Over You and Head On Collision. Both have videos. Uh, My Friends Over You is the most successful one. We'll get a whole lot of mainstream play. I'm assuming if you were alive during those times, you know this song. I did. Like I was like I was little during this time, but I remembered the song. And uh, it peaks at 85 on the Billboard Top 100. And yeah, overall, the record is like probably the most successful record Newfound Glory ever had. Shooting Newfound Glory to a level of mainstream popularity that's, you know, it's not blank levels, but it's getting close. It will reach four on the Billboard 200 for a while. So no, they, this is like their big record, the one that everyone remembers for a reason. I like it. Also... I do have to point out that this whole record was recorded locally with all of them uh, taking up residence in one of the rich people parts of San Diego County, La Jolla. Oh, that's pretty cool. Is it pretty cool? No, it's not. La Jolla sucks ass. Okay, it's not pretty cool. But they did uh, they did record at Signature Sound Studios in San Diego. So, you know, good on them.
Okay, we start with understatement. And um, so here's the thing. Two weeks ago, and it was definitely two weeks ago, we talked about Boxcar Racer, which was Tom the Launch Band, which basically only wrote one song, and that song sort of sucked. New Song Glory also sort of writes only one song, but I really like that song. <laughs> Here's the difference. I think part of why I'm so hot on this album is that for the first time in a solid month of recordings, we're actually listening to a pop-punk album. We had Avril, Boxcar, and Homegrown all in a row, and none of those were really the genre we're covering. They were all right in their own ways. I quite liked the Avril album, but this... Oh yeah, I was a big fan of Homegrown. Yeah, that one was... It's, uh, you know, well, they've heard it. So, the whole thing is, this was a refreshing change of pace. And I was like, oh, there's energy and everything's got a vibe to it. And at no point am I checking my... The longest song on this album is barely over four minutes. And also, like, all of the songs have heavy guitars on them, or at least, like, energy to them, which is, like, great. Even the slow songs are not shitty ballads. They're just like, oh, this is a slower song that goes, like, hard on the guitar and the chorus. Yep. And you're just like, great. You're, you're not trying to be fucking Josh Grubbin. Great. But yeah, understatement. It's great. It does all of the tricks that I like about Newfound Glory. They do like three things. They do them over and over, and I really like them. They have guitars that sometimes go very chaga chaga, even though it's very, the tone is still very airy. It's very summery. It's very punky. The chorus or the verse generally has a slight tempo change, not very prominent, but they definitely slow down in parts and go with more a more rhythmic approach. And usually the, either the bridge or pre-chorus is sort of understated, especially in this one. You definitely have like a pre-chorus with some like light guitars going on it before it goes back again into energy. And yeah, this is just like, you know, in a way, this is Pop Punk 101, but it's great. Like they will actually influence a bunch of bands. There are at least Two bands that we'll mention that took their names from songs from this record. And yeah, this is, again, I describe it as the platonic ideal of pop punk. The song is fun. It does all of the pop punk thing. It does all of the new fun glory thing. And it's just like energy, energy, fun, lighthearted. It is not, I don't think there's really many dark moments in this record. It's just like straightforward relationship angst with nasally lyrics, and everything you like about pop-punk. Well, everything I like about pop-punk, don't know about Sybil. I, again, I will not slam this record. I had a good time listening to it. It just very much made it click for me as a reminder again. I am not the pop-punk fan on our show. Good thing you're not on a pop-punk podcast. Given most of what we've covered lately, you'd almost think we aren't. Yeah, that's fair. That is I will fair. also say something that got me incredibly hyped up going into this. This is the first time in a few weeks where we're not talking about songs that seem very first draft or repetitive. Oh, yeah, this is extremely produced. Well, it's extremely produced and they wrote a whole song. Sure, the chorus might repeat, but they don't just go to three word song Three-word singing, three-word yelling, got a mic right here. No, I'm not I'm not channeling anyone specific. There are, like, at least two songs that I think are too long on this record, but that's, like, way below the average for what we usually cover. There is one song that I thought it was a bit repetitive, but no, generally, like, they, they know how to play with structure, they're they definitely have the pop structure, but they play a lot with it. They're never too predictable. They have an incredible ear for choruses. Like, we will see it on My Friends Over You. All of the stuff is super catchy. And again, they have their tropes, but their tropes that are enjoyable. And uh, yeah, yeah, this is a great start for, this, for the record. Hmm. It just like tells you what this record is about, and uh, it's fun. That's an understatement. Ba -da -ba. 
comedy. Uh, how about we talk about the big one? This one is, you know, kind of a shite message, but we had Avril recently, and mixed messages are a pop-punk staple, and it's still quite catchy. Yeah, I don't know, like, it's not... I guess my bar is very low, because I'm like, pop-punk got a lot shittier than just being like bros over hoes or whatever. Yeah, so... no, that's that's basically what this whole song is, and in fact, that is... The summary that Genius gives. This is one of the most well-known songs that places friendship over an intimate relationship, a.k.a. Bros Before Hoes. Yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> there, there, there is an amount of shitness here, but uh, it, it's like the mildest kind of shitness that you can have. So it's like, whatever. It's an you know? immature shittiness. It's a dirtbag shittiness, not, uh, you know... Oh no, oh no, what lesson are you taking for the It's, no, the teenagers do this. Yeah. And, like, the song is a banger. Like, oh yeah, this song is, like, one of my favorite pop-punk songs ever. It's just, like, it's so catchy, it's, like, so energetic, has, like, one of the best pre-chorus in all of pop-punk, I think. Just the lead-up to the chorus, it's so fucking perfect. It slows down enough, it has, like, this weird like rhythm rhythm to it like vocal rhythm to it that goes sort of off beat against the chorus and then it goes right into the chorus the song is so good not my favorite one of the best on the album i'll give it that not my favorite but i also know i'm gonna be humming it for a week and i did laugh during the video when the lead singer just goes a little ham with one of the lyrics because baby you need this and he just makes this face like, you need this? <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just a little bit of overacting that got an actual laugh out of me. Yeah, Putnik is like has a, this, a very expressive face that you can see in the videos that I feel is part of why the band had like a following at the time. It's like, he's a very character actor, kind of. All of them seem like they should have been backup characters in an American Pie or teen sex comedy. And in fact, they were in American Pie 2. Oh, they were? Yeah, uh, that was part of what propelled them between albums was a cameo in that movie. Yeah, the video, I like the video for this. It's like, what a lot of, I think they, we've seen a lot of similar videos for from songs, but this is the one that sort of does it right, where it's just like sort of funny and... Uh, you know, there's they're like basically playing on a stage and a lot of wacky things happen and they're all sort of entertaining. Like I like that at some point they sort of like turn the camera around and there's no one in the audience because of course they're filming it. And uh, I don't know, a bit of fourth wall breaking, enlarging heads. I've said before that I don't like the goofy videos, but this one just gets very stupid with it instead of trying to be fun pranks in the hallway. Yeah. I had a good time with it. Record? Because this is sort of like those records we hate, except that I really like this in that I don't have a lot of to say about this song, aside from like, yeah, this rocks. This is cool. This is catchy. This has energy. And I'm enjoying this. Oh, how about I ruin that for you when we go on to Sunny? When you lose a buddy yourself, somebody you know, it takes a lot to let go.
I think it sort of slows the momentum. And please tell me about what is it about and make me feel really bad about it. Oh, you're going to feel even worse about that when I do. <laughs> so it, it starts out a little down-tempo before kicking up. And I was listening to the lyrics on my first run-through. And I, I've said I usually do two run-throughs. One where I just put the thing on and just sort of absorb it. The second where I'll do notes day of. I was going, is this a ballad? What is the... And I started digging. Because I was then suddenly worried, oh no, is this a suicide song? And it's a dead grandpa song. But... The weirdest thing about that is that he wrote a tribute to his dead grandfather in the most dude's rock cadence possible. <laughs> so I don't know what to... <laughs> I have a lot of very confused feelings about it because I try to have a policy of not ragging on anything that's like, this is a heartfelt tribute song, but also... You wrote the tribute to a dead Grampy like it was a power ballad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This sort of this is a slower song. It's sort of based around a bass and guitar riff. That's like this very understated bass and guitar riff. It does sort of feels like Newfound Glory trying to get serious, but they're Newfound Glory, so like, you know, <laughs> this is what they do. And uh, dudes rock. Grampies are a dude. And uh, I don't know. It's To me, it sort of slows down the momentum. I feel... And now that I know what it is about lyrically, I sort of feel like, yeah, maybe not the best thing to put here in the record. Maybe as a closer, could have worked better. But... Slide that into the back half. I do like the production on this. Like, the production on this record is fantastic. The backing vocals are really integrated perfectly on a lot of these songs. There's a lot of harmonizing, there's a lot of cool stuff happening in the background, and the guitar is just loud enough to drown the vocals partly without completely obliterating them. It's just like, it feels punchy, it feels punk, but it also, you have that pop feel, the vocals still pop out. I don't know, good production on this record. Go Neil Avron. More of this and less of Everclear, please. Uh, he did fall off of Everclear after two of their biggest albums, or as it was once referred to, after the second divorce period. <laughs> Still one of the funniest interviews that someone clearly hated doing ever was Nikki Six on his late night radio show interviewing... Um, dipshit from Everclear. I cannot. The Art Alexakis. His co-host was clearly into Alexakis and Nikki Six was not. And so Nikki is just sitting out the whole thing and every once in a while you can re be reminded he's still there because he will just shoot a brutal own at the man. You know, Art talking about, yeah, this next album's gonna be just darker than black. That's the mood we want to go for with this. And he says, oh, so it's a return to the fourth divorce period? <laughs> Just God. So clearly he owed his co-host a favor. That is great. It was so good. But yeah, let's talk about something that I call personality, which is the next song. Speaking of Art Alexakis. <laughs> We entered the pop-punk zone again, as this gets really fast, reminds me a lot of like early, early Blink, like Damnit era Blink, and uh... I actually have a note that, yeah, this is very Damnit. Mm -hmm. I can now pick out some of these periods. Yay! We're teaching pop-punk to Sybil! <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one incredibly wins me over because 
Uh, some of these lyrics definitely feel appropriate to someone I know. It's just basically, hey, uh, it turns out that I might be a giant dipshit who makes terrible choices and friends, but you know you have fun with it, and you know it's going to be over quick. Because <laughs> it's basically a fast roadside love song on tour. Uh, this is a faster song. Again, they use the same tricks over and over, but they get me every time. And yeah, another another great song. Again, this song is just like great song after great song after great song, and there's not much to say about them. They're just like fun. I like the first half of this album quite a bit. The second is a little bland. Ah, I think every record sort of, most pop punk records sort of like wane out after a bit, but I don't know. The second half also has some cool things. Uh, shall we talk about their second take on a ballad, which is Head on Collision, which was also their second single? We should. had another wacky like weird things happen video i think it's not as good as uh, my friends over you but again they're basically like character actors so it sort of works yeah, they know how to play to their strengths or at least the director they got mm -hmm. yeah they're just goofy like fun pop punk dudes with weird faces and now i'm just hearing the opening uh guitar riff of fat lip in my head I'm just saying, when you think of goofy guys with weird faces, some 41 is always who is going to come to mind for me. Uh, but let's talk about Head on Collision. This is the one song where I feel Padnik's voice doesn't really work. He's like really good at energetic songs, really good at like melodic, energetic choruses. But when you go straight up into a ballad, I don't know, it's a bit too nasally. It doesn't carry a lot of emotions, like... I like him as a vocalist, he is no emo singer, and um, but I love the guitar. Like, this is better than average for a pop-punk ballad. The guitar gets pretty heavy in the chorus. The production sort of lacks some punch here, but whatever. I don't know. In conclusion, Head on Collision is a land of contrasts. Uh, this is where the album finally lost me for the first time. The title made me think, God, Understanding in a Car Crash was such a good song. Yeah, I mean... And then I got to the lyrics and we started to have Is There a Body Count vibes again, which we haven't had in a while. Huh? Especially with the repeated, then you were gone, all this time, you just didn't know, then you were gone. It's like, is this the sixth sense? Or did you Phil Collins someone on a highway? I don't know. This is a breakup song. I don't think there's any more that are involved. I'm just saying it's not the only purse the only track on this album where I have that note. Oh. Oh, also, sorry, fun fact, the band All Time Low took their name from a lyric of this song. Huh. Been a summer. This is another banger. I love this song. This is where my pop punk loving ass just shows because I'm I love this song. This is like a great pop punk song. Is it amazing? No, but it has like driving guitar, punk drums that do their work and give energy to the song. The melodies on the song, especially in the verse and in the pre-chorus and in the chorus, is like 
pop punky as fuck and really catchy and like it's great it's angsty it's nasally it's, it's everything that you want from pop punk which i'm gonna say to a lot of the songs i like this song a lot the song is not bad but having this be the title of the track while it's 90 outside <laughs> and even in my goth cave that i record in i'm just god i want seven fans going right now what is 90 in like real people measurements 32 celsius I mean, that's hot. I've, I've been in wars, though. I'm just saying it's not even summer here yet. This is the ramp up. Yeah, yeah, that is fair. It's gonna suck. Also, this is where I got my first what are these ads, because uh, clearly they think that newfound glory fans want to watch white women prestige dramas, but only the bad ones. Hello, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> I got that ad three times on this album. I mean, maybe they're trying to balance it out. Like, if you listen to Newfound Glory, maybe you need some, like, base-level feminism to help you out in your life. Your soldiers couldn't find a woman for 16 days? <laughs> I've never watched The Handmaiden Tales. Uh, only watch the original film. You're good. I actually hate prestige drama HBO-like series. My ideal TV series, the, the TV series that I watch... Are people with weird jobs using those weird jobs to solve crimes in an episodic fashion? So, you know. Ellie. Mm-hmm. How far are we away from Panic at the Disco? Uh, a bit, but we'll get there. Why? When it comes to procedurals and weird jobs and Panic at the Disco, there is a story I'm saving for when we arrive there. It is a story that only I and three people outside of South America will know of. And the other three were the actors on the show. I, I am extremely excited for the story. Looking forward to it. Anyway, this track is, uh, this track is alright. It's great! I love it! Like, another trick that they do a lot is that in the pre-chorus, or sometimes at the end of the verse, they have this very segmented cadence on the melody. Like, they, they cut it off in very clear places, which is great. It gives this, like, rhythmic momentum before they hit the chorus. They do it, like, on most every song, and I love it. It's just, like, it's such, it's such a good conductor to energy in the song. No, this song is great. It has a bridge with almost, like, twinkly guitars. There's some chugga-chugga. They slow the tempo. They do the segmented thing. Like, every single thing I like about Newfound Glory, they do in the song. And I'm really into this. And it's a great song. I'd probably be higher on it if it didn't come right after Head on Collision. This was picking me up again. Thankfully, we then go into one of the ones that I had the most fun with, Forget My Name. Tell my friends I'm dead. I'm leaving you. This time it's for good. Tell all my friends that I'm dead. It won't be long before you forget my name. Let us talk about Forget My Name, which is extremely angsty, and uh, it's pretty good. It's got two of the members of Alkaline Trio doing vocals on it, so that tracks. And it kicks off real hard, real fast with Tell All My Friends I'm Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, lots of angst, uh, good energy, and yeah, I don't know. It's another, it's, it's another one of the songs. It's fun. It's good energy, good angst. Doesn't, this record doesn't ever let go with the energy, and uh, mm, it's good. This is the anti-body count song because it's, I want you to think I'm dead, but I'm not dead. I just want to be away from you. And it made me wonder, do you think anyone has ever faked their death to get out of a band? Um, didn't Paul McCartney do that? And second question, which I did wonder, 
Do you think anyone's ever faked their death to get out of a podcast? I don't know. Uh, let's see what happens with Adam after this episode. That's true. <laughs> Maybe Homegrown was too much for him. <laughs> to be fair, Homegrown was too much for every one of us. I'm still recovering. I... <laughs> I was perfectly all right with it. <laughs> I, I meant that it was too good. It was like... The amount of quality sort of like ruined all of pop punk for me from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong time to take a drink. <laughs> At least I didn't spit coffee into my hair again. At this point, we're just stalling because we don't have much to say about the songs. They're all pretty much the same, and they're all so fun. And we don't. Ha I don't have any snarky jokes about forget my name. This has a good pace to it. It gets a little grungier. Again, Alkaline Trio vocalists. Uh, it's not bad. There's really nothing terrible on this album. It's not bad is where I land on more than a few tracks. And in, on most of the tracks, I'm like, yeah, this is my shit. This is like pure pop punk. Like, this is like, you know, we extracted pop punkiness from pop punk and we delivered it to you without like shitty ballads, without like weird shit. This is just pure pop-punk, well-executed, really good music musicianship for the genre, like, a bit harder than their contemporaries, and yeah. Like, there's no, like, there is a reason why, um, why basically this record inspired a bunch of bands, because they took the sound and they brought it further. They're like, what if we make this, but we make it, like, a bit more heavier? What if, what if we make this and we, like add some metalcore influences, and they sort of evolved it from there. But this was the basis. This was the... This was the... The pop-punk. This was the pop-punk. Welcome to This Was The Pop-Punk, a pop-punk retrospective. Hmm. Well, we will never give up. So, yeah. I want to just quote one line from the lyrics here, which sums up everything. There's a thousand questions I want to ask you if you think that it's all right. I don't know what tone this track is going for at all. Is this a love song? Is this supposed to inspire me? Am I supposed to be depressed and sell out? What's happening here? It reminds me of the previous track, Forget My Name, just with sort of worse execution. Like, the angst doesn't really work as much. It is a bit... This is probably the more repetitive track of the record. It's a bit more repetitive. Uh, it has a cool breakdown, so I'm into that. And it has some really interesting drum work that doesn't really fit with the general approach of the record. It's sort of like almost off-tempo. Um... But yeah, like, it's a lot of cool bits, but this is one of, this is the one song that, as you said, feels sort of incomplete. It feels like they spend a bit less time on it, because it's less, the structure is less tight, and the production is less tight on this one. Uh, it's not a bad song. Like, if you're listening to the album without analyzing every single track, this track just flows by fine. But it is one of the least good tracks for me. This would be the closer to a flogging Molly album where they keep repeating the chorus over and over as it fades out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that is accurate. And, yeah, I don't know. I just... I think the final thing I settled on, based on what I wrote here, is the words, fuck you for having a past. <laughs> okay. Don't back down, I'm over the past. I don't really care about before, before you met me. 
I'm tired of my conscious always telling me to stop sleeping in, but I can't waste a second on dreams that will never begin. Uh, everyone has a head on their shoulders. We're losing our pride as we all get older. Everyone has to become their saviors. You might not get it right, or you might realize that it's too late. The whole thing just comes off very... It's the anti-boss tones. Sell out That's to me. not oh, the yeah. boss tones. Right, I do this every time. That's real big fish. Sorry. I like my brain the boss just, <laughs> My brain just keeps thinking that song is the boss tones for some yes, reason. Yes, and you're wrong. And you do it all the time. This is the third time we do it on this podcast. Okay. Real big fish say that you must sell out to me, old man. So um, how do I make a mnemonic for fish and old man? The old man in the sea... Real big fish. Cool. Got it. You have to... No, no. You have to learn how to differentiate the two bands. Otherwise, the ska fandom will come after us. And we don't want the ska fandom to come after us. They have horns. I love horns. Come at me like I was Char's theme, baby. But yeah, never give up. Do you have anything else to say about this? No. Uh, the next the next song gave me an existential crisis for a minute. <laughs> okay. Go on. How about we talk about The Great Houdini? just like, oh, now I'm gonna check out if the great Houdini was problematic. I couldn't find anything. So, you know. Uh, I think he was so set apart from any kind of thing that if there were issues, they have been lost to time. I did find an article about ten things that we don't know about the great Houdini. He had two hearts and four balls. <laughs> did he? Yeah, he uh, he woke up near the walleyes, and that was how he kept breaking out of things. He got a second stand. Okay, this is not in this article. <laughs> I'm making a very dumb joke right now that some people will enjoy. <laughs> also, I keep misreading the weird font on New Genius as saying 30 seconds till I piss instead of pass. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, when this one started, I looked over and said, oh, what's the track on this? And I immediately thought that I was going to be disappointed that this was not some kind of stage magician punk song. And then I just had this horrible realization that, oh, no, if I ever go back to doing that sort of thing as a side job, I'm going to need a whole new wardrobe for that, won't I? Oh, yeah. oh God. Yeah. What is my aesthetic now? What what do I do for stage? Can I still do the blue tux? Would that work? But wait, then there wait, would be tits. wait, wait, uh, huh? You do stage magic? You <laughs> yeah? Okay. You you didn't know that among other things, I would actually do like stage hypnosis shows for people. I I, I every every new details about your history and life surprises me. But yeah, that's why we have you as a host. Oh yeah, uh, erotic and non-erotic. Depends on who books. Okay, I don't want to know what uh, the erotic one is. Moving on. Anyhow, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just, I legitimately lost track of time for two minutes of this song thinking, oh my god, I have to redesign a whole new outfit if I ever return. I can use the cape and maybe the top hat, but I don't, I don't know about anything. I'm going to have to refit myself. Do I do fishnets? Will I have to shave something? Yeah, there's a lot of... And finally, I, I reset the, <laughs> the track <laughs> because I didn't start paying attention until about 2.30 and went, can I legally say I have listened to this song? <laughs> uh, um, yeah, lots of shaving involved If you once, once the transness starts being a thing, sadly. 
Yeah. Well, the top of my head is a horrendous hair beast. I could actually just do a cousin it right now. <laughs> can you hear me through the hair? The hair is really thick. I can hear you, but yeah, that sounds like a problem. I would not recommend podcasting like that, but you do you. Uh, I have a hair clip if I need it. If the hair suddenly tries to choke me, I can uh, hold it back with three different tiger print hair clips. Welcome to Casual Talk. A casual talk retrospective about hair and magic. This song really did just make me question a bunch about my identity. (laughs) (laughs) Newfound glory, breaking eggs since 2002. (laughs) Oh no, does this mean I have to do the chant now? Transong, trans, 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 song. I mean, did you notice anything? The change is me. Now it's safe to say you will never change your ways. Actual lyrics. Mm, okay, okay, I can see that. I can see Especially that. with one of the first lines being 30 seconds till I pass. <laughs> I think we accidentally did this. Okay, I'm gonna go. This is the end of the podcast. This was the episode. <laughs> we accidentally made Houdini trans. Pop punk trans Houdini. <laughs> and we have the tagline for the episode. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Also, there were good drum rolls on this album. Yeah. Or on this song. This song. There are good drum rolls on the album. I mean, too. Yeah, the, the drums are great. The guitars are fun. It was a fun track. And Houdini is not problematic, so, you know, wins all over for for this record. The only problematic Houdini here is me. (laughs) And that's why I'm singled out. the sin and then gets really bad and uh yeah i enjoy new butt glory <laughs> new butt glory is going to be my stage name after transition <laughs> <laughs> no uh, the the opening is very distinct i don't know if anything else on the album sounds like this yeah in the interview they listened they were like yeah the the producer was like do we want to put some synth here? And they were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> this is the level of interview that New Phone Glory gives. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. That's a, that's insight. So I can make this take a real downer turn. One verse, as well as the name of the track, immediately made my brain go to bad places. Because what will you do when there's no friends to fall back on because they've all been stepped on? I won't be there. I've learned my lesson. And the title, Singled Out, made me think, there's got to have been more songs named Singled Out. Mm-hmm. Do you think any of them ever sampled or got guest vocals from Chris Hardwick and or Jenny McCarthy, two of MTV's greatest monsters? I... what? I... what? <laughs> oh, do you... oh, right, you might not have had that in Italy. Okay, so, in the 90s... There was an MTV game show called Singled Out, co-hosted by a young Chris Hardwick and a young Jenny McCarthy, and it was a dating show on MTV, and it was also what really kicked off both of their careers, and now one is one of the most famous anti-vaxxers in the country, and the other is a sex monster who has married a literal Pinkerton, and hired the Pinkertons to clear his name of the sex monster charges, which, while they did that with the company, literally caused every woman on his staff to walk out and or quit their jobs when he returned. Okay, then. Yes. Anyway, just a real downer. 
Yeah, I don't think the song is about that, though. So I'm fine with it. No, I just mostly wondered, yeah, do, do you think anyone has ever made a track called Singled Out that explicitly referenced those two? Probably, right? I don't know. We could do that. I don't know if you want me doing the Jenny McCarthy half of the vocals. Because <laughs> you better believe that I got a really good Chris Hardwick and I could go a mile a minute and I get real insufferable. Look, you do the vocals. I'll, I'll lay down some uh, cool lo-fi anime bits to study with and, and we have a track. Oh my god, do we want to just do a Vaporwave single that samples the show? Sure. And then, okay, okay, I think we're onto something. I think we've made this just the right amount of ironic. Isn't it ironic, don't you think? It's belated. That's track 11. Yeah, this. <laughs> this is what happens when Adam is not here, by the way. <laughs> Y'all might not appreciate Adam's full contribution to this podcast, but this happens when Adam is not here. <laughs> We go completely off the rails. Let's talk about Belated. I am the chaos heroine of podcasting, and I will never regret that. So this was another Is There a Body Count track. Okay. Uh, my only note of this is like, this is sort of forgettable, but fun vocals though. There's a lot of overlapping vocals, which uh, made my day. They're fun. I've never felt so bad in my entire life, but this time I did it to myself. What do you expect from me? I did it. So what do you expect from me? And then everything is like... It came so quickly. I wasn't prepared. I didn't mean to miss your birthday. And then it escalates further. Bridges will fall from under us. The earth will open up and try to pull us in. But we got this. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think the singer killed someone on this, but I think they might be under a mummy's curse and the earth is trying to end them. Well, that is an interesting topic to make a song about. I think um, I think it's more metaphorical, but I appreciate your reading on it. It's definitely valid. And uh, and yeah, and I hope Brenda Fraser is in it. God, he was so good in uh, Trust. Yeah. Keep hiring Brendan Fraser. He's also good in Doom Patrol. Is he in Doom Patrol? He is Robot Man. Oh, that's pretty cool. Shall we end this? We have one last song here. Well, We have one last l- song and one curse. <laughs> we have one last song and one David Lynch movie. These skits suck ass. <laughs> anyway, the story so far is the final track. And it's uh, the band, the story so far, took their name from this song. The longest track on this album is barely four minutes, and that is beautiful. Thank you for the, for the They Might Be Giants reference. Now that said, this song has some real I'm wearing her down Urkel energy, and I hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it has some really cheesy production on the back half of the song where the piano comes in and like, not necessarily string, but sort of like synth stuff. And uh, I don't know, I appreciate the cheesy energy of it, but it's a four minute song. It's not 
one of the top songs of the record and uh, it closes the record sort of on a not the highest note possible but it sort of works as a closer especially with the cheesy production but yeah the lyrics get a bit if it stopped with this song i would say they made a choice and i like it (laughs) but they didn't stop with this song because there's skits afterwards uh, they are listed under three names. The version I listened to just put everything on there as one track called Joke Skits. Yep, same for me. Same on Spotify. And the first one goes with a horror movie vibe. There's someone in your house. Yeah, the, the, the notes that I have on this kit is like, this is a segment from Inland Empire. Um, I and wish. Yeah. I was expecting the rabbits to come up. Then comes the hard left into racism. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then after that is, it. it's clearly some kind of weird demo that they didn't think was a B-side or something. I don't know if it shows up in a finished form on another album. I think one of them makes a comment about this was supposed to appear on the last album, but somebody left the studio that day. To expand on that, um, actually... <laughs> The original version only had one skit, which is the worst one. It's the racist one. Of course. (laughs) So, you know, the horror one, which is sort of crappy but innocuous. No, you don't get that. The the weird track. No, you don't get that. You just get the toothpick song, which is like sort of... Well, not sort of. It's really racist. (laughs) It's one of them doing a voice that I'm not going to imitate talking about how every table has a toothpick on it and we love the meat, and then halfway through it, they lose the plot and they're like, okay, wait, what do we do again? And they never did a second take, and that's probably for the best. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Fucking pop punk. Well, good news. We don't have to deal with fucking pop punk next week, Ellie. What is next week? Next week is Real Big Fish. Do we want to scatter the offspring for next week? Let's do the offspring next week. I'll, I'll contact Gwen. <laughs> and by next week, I mean, yeah, we'll figure this out. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, we'll talk about the offspring's newest album... Something, something, a bad time? Is that the, the title of the album? Let the bad times roll. Indeed. <laughs> also, as of when we are recording this, the most recent tweet from The Offspring's Twitter is simply the words, Grief is the weight breaking these bones. So that's something. <laughs> Uh, you're doing research for that, by the way. You brought it up. Who brought it? Who brings it up? Does the research? That's fair. Also, hey, you know what else I didn't expect to learn? That they are touring through this year in your neck of the woods in the UK and Ireland, and they're bringing the hives along for every show. Remember the hives? I do remember the hives. Well, now they're second fiddle to offspring. That's sad. <laughs> Hate to say I told you so. All right. Let us end this. What are your final thoughts on this record? This is a very good pop punk album, and I will not in any way denigrate it, other than to say, if you are me, you can probably pass on Sticks and Stones. I really like this. Um... It's, again, I, I described it as the platonic ideal of pop-punk, in that this is pop-punk how you remember it. Blink is not pop-punk as you remember it. If you go back to listening to Blink, like, half of the songs are sort of, like, emo and, like... Yeah, they have incredible emo energy. This is 
40 minutes of pure pop punk with actually like above average instrumentation, great energy. Uh, they have an incredible ear for melodies. Every chorus on this record is so catchy. And yeah, it's really difficult to say a lot about the singular track. So this episode is a bit all over the place because they have about three, four tropes that they use and they use them in every track. And every track is sort of similar, but if you listen to it without trying to like analyze every single track, this is a great listen. This is a four out of five for me. I think this is really excellent pop punk. This doesn't rise above pop punk, sadly. Like this is not, you know, a this is not a Spanish love song. This is not, you know, the thing that goes beyond pop punk, but as far as pop punk is concerned, this is excellent. I it might not seem so from most of the episodes of this podcast, but I like pop punk. <laughs> it is a genre that I personally enjoy. And uh, yeah, I've listened to this album like four times in a day today. It's really fun. I will very much say a four out of five record is what I would describe this as. Cool. It's good. It's just not to my tastes. That is fair. I also I also have a quote from Adam that I will read off now. Uh, it turns out that this was everything he wanted but he just could not finish what he started. There's no room left here on the... Uh, is the joke too obvious now? Yeah, yeah, but I, I appreciate the joke. Anyway, he picked his friends over us. Oh, and by his friends, we mean his throat. <laughs> ah. Everyone let pray for Adam, who has a throat ache. That's why he wasn't here this week. <laughs> his friends, Streptococcus, Menungai. <laughs> Let us end this. Let's go to the ending bit. Sure. Same song, different chorus. So, this was the episode. You can, as always, find us on our fantastic website, getoutofthestown.com. And you can mail us at getoutofthistownpodcast at gmail.com. If you do, we will read off these messages, as well as any reviews you leave us on Apple Music, Google Play, Podcap, Spotify, Splurkle, and the rising sensation that is going to be the hit new podcast app of 2021. I can't think of a match three game. I was going to make a joke. If you are on the Twitter, you can add us at GGOOTT Podcast, or you can follow us. It's all the same. And uh, next up is something. Do you have anything to plug, Sybil? I can be found at hellscaper.com with all of my projects. And you can find me at ACC the Moon on Twitter. And if you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon, but while sticks and stones may break our bones, what really hurts us is you listening to us without leaving cool iTunes reviews. So do that. Yay. I don't know. I it's, it's a joke. I don't... It's okay. It. Doing these jokes is hard. It's like, you know, you start all excited being like, oh, we're having a cool, like, structured closing for our podcast. And then you realize this shit is hard. Good news. Next week, it's my cursed duty to make a joke. Is it? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, if I'm doing the notes. Okay, let's... Bye! <laughs> See ya! Not like I've got the time to stick around I'll catch my flight like a pop pumpkin And get out of this town What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down Let's terrify